Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hard times are when the textile workers around this country are out of work. They got four or five kids and can't pay their wages, can't buy their food. Hard times are when the auto workers are out of work and they tell them go home. And hard times are when a man has worked at a job 30 years, 30 years. They give him a watch, kick him in the butt and say, hey, a computer took your place, daddy. That's hard time. Want to talk to the guys on Sports Talk Saturday? Call or text us now. You put hard times on this country by taking Dusty Rhodes out. That's hard time. Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Make no mistake where you are. Hard times indeed if you're a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, by the way. Welcome in, everybody. Happy Saturday. Man, I feel like one of these Saturdays I'm going to walk in here, the sun's going to be shining, the birds are going to be chirping, there's going to be some leaves on the trees, and it's not going to be so damn depressing outside. But until then, welcome to spring. Um, yeah, what a great show I've got lined up for you today. We've got uh, a full docket of guests, as I typically do on a Saturday. Uh, Matt Perino is going to join me at 1130, which I'm looking forward to. Him and I will uh, are going to chat up hashtag Hopkins Watch, which we are firmly in day three or four of at this point. Um, and we've got some updates for you on that uh, per Jeremy Fowler. We'll get to that in a little bit uh, as well. And then at noon, I got my buddy Mark Schofield, who's going to join me. We're going to talk a little Patriots, their offseason, Juju Smith-Schuster, what they're going to be looking at in the draft, 1245. Uh, I've got the same thing going for the Jets with my buddy uh, Connor Rogers of NBC Sports and Roto World. So we'll uh, we'll talk to him at 12.45, then 1 o'clock, John Ellis, my buddy who covers the Panthers, uh, who hold the number one pick. So I felt it was a relevant um, conversation with John. We'll talk about some of the pro days this week of all the quarterbacks, Levis and uh, Stroud, and uh, talk about which one's going to go number one overall and which one Frank Reich will most likely uh, you know, pull the trigger on when April comes rolling around, which the draft, I mean, we are, I think, just about a month out. So... Um, Lot to do between now and then. Lot to get through today. Um, as Lucas said in his um, 
In his update, there's some college basketball games on tonight, two of them to be exact. 6.09 p.m. first tip is uh, FAU and KSU. That should be a heck of a game. A 9 versus 3 and a 4 versus 3 today. Um, as Luke said, there is no more one seats, um, which is remarkable and um, kind of throws a little dagger in the side of the conversation and the narrative that NIL is ruining college sports uh, and there simply will not allow to be any mid-majors or, um, you know, non-Power 5 or non, you know, Bama's and Kansas, in the case of college basketball, Kansas, Duke, you know, North Carolina, that these teams are going to run away and it's never going to be competitive again. Maybe that will be the case in football, but so far it has not been the case. In fact, quite the opposite in college basketball. Um, I, I don't really fill out, you know, full disclosure. I haven't filled out a bracket in a couple of years, um, but I still watch. Um, and the games the other night, Kansas State versus Michigan State was a just a beauty of a game. Um, and, you know, they're going to face off against Florida Atlantic, who <laughs> Florida Atlantic's in the Elite Eight, which is incredible. UConn maybe is the best team left in this bracket right now as the four seed. They're facing off against Gonzaga, who has never gotten over the hump. They've gotten to, you know, national championships. Um, they've, you know, made it to the Final Four, but Mark Few has not gotten the win. So we'll see if Gonzaga, um, it kind of is playing out perfectly for Gonzaga. They're not going to have to go through a one seed to win a, a national championship, and that has sort of been what's standing in their way for the past couple of seasons. So um, college basketball on tonight, as Luke said, also Sabres, Islanders, 5 p.m. puck drop, 4 p.m., uh, uh, pre-game, which will start right here on WGR. One thing to note is it looks like they the Sabres did an emergency recall today of Lu- Lucas Rocek. Um, is that right? Rusek. Rusek. Lucas Rusek. Rusek, uh, who is a sixth or seventh round pick in 2019. Um, he may or may not be making his debut today. Um, I, I would wonder because we've got... Vinny Henestrosa, who's been uh, on a leave of absence for the last two days, not sure if he's available and back and ready to play. Uh, we know Jordan Greenway has been dinged up, injured, and he probably won't be ready to play. Um, so we'll hear from Paul Hamilton at 4 o'clock and get all the uh, all the latest on the the roster decisions. I'm, I'm assuming we'll also see Eric Comrie tonight um, in net for the Sabres. He was on the bench yesterday in, uh, in their win, 5-4 last night, against a very, very, very good New Jersey Devils team. So um, 5-4, great game. Uh, it was on ESPN Plus, so it wasn't on at all the bars last night, so that was a little frustrating, but uh, we, we we made it through. Um, I want to get back to Hopkins' watch really quick. Luke, did you get a chance to grab that sound from uh, from Jeremy Fowler? Yes, I did. Why don't we give that a whirl real quick, and then we can talk about it. Then you have DeAndre Hopkins. You know, Talking to other teams around the league, they do expect something to shake out with a Hopkins trade with Arizona in the near future, but that Arizona would have to come off their asking price. I've talked to teams who say that Arizona has wanted a second round pick and more, almost like a Christian McCaffrey package that you saw during the season last year. Second, third round pick, something big. So teams aren't willing to do that as of yet. So, yeah, I mean, Arizona's not getting a second and third round pick. They're probably not going to even get a second round pick. And part of it is... It's it's a it's a complicated conversation um, about why DeAndre Hopkins may not have a great trade value market. So Monty Ossenfort is the new general manager for the Arizona Cardinals, right? This this has like Jack Eichel vibes to it a little bit. And what I mean is you have a first time general manager. This would be the first big trade, the first real like fingerprint 
that Monty is going to have on his new franchise, right? And I think rightfully, when you're a new general manager in a new team that's rebuilding, what's the last thing you want to do? You don't want to feel like you're being taken advantage of. You want to feel like if your your first big trade kind of has to be a slam dunk, right? Like you saw it with Kevin Adams and in 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 Jack Eichel, and you saw it before then. Um, with Ryan O'Reilly, and obviously we know how that one went with Jason Bottrell. Um, And I don't think Jason Bottrell ever really recovered from that trade. Now, a little different in that this is a 31-year-old wide receiver. He's pricey, and I think that matters here. And I would assume the Bills are not asking the Arizona Cardinals to retain money, and that's their value. That's their leverage is if they were forced – because of the teams involved in, in Kansas City would probably need money retained from Arizona, which would definitely drive up the asking price for DeAndre Hopkins. But the Bills likely aren't asking for that. They're probably just going to restructure and or extend, find a way to bring that 2023 cap number way down, as we know from Track, who tweeted out earlier this week. That number can be restructured down to as low as almost, I think, $4.5 million on, in 2023, which is you know, right where I think the Bills want to be. We know they're they're having Calais Campbell come in this week, which I think would be a really, really, really solid signing for them. Um, a guy who's a veteran um, in that defensive line. I mean, he had five and a half sacks for a guy his age. Um, that'd be a fantastic signing for the Bills, I think. But where I guess I, I stand on this is the Cardinals are not going to get a second-round pick. The Cardinals are definitely not going to get a second-round pick and more. So I think... Like, if you're Monty Ossenfort, like, you kind of have to understand. I'm sure they want to float that, you know, to Jeremy Fowler or whoever else is reporting this, that they want at least a second and maybe more because they want to make sure they feel like they're getting the most value in return for DeAndre Hopkins because he is a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. But what it lacks is an understanding of what the market is right now. It's sort of reminiscent to me of the Jordan Poyer contract situation, right? Jordan Poyer wants to get paid and you know the bills and him aren't negotiating throughout the season and it's pretty obvious he's ready to move on go someplace else gets to free agency and realizes and I'm sure a very humbling way that there isn't a huge market for 31 year old free agent safeties coming off of you know an injury riddled season and and I'm a Jordan Poyer fan and I'm glad that the bills and Poyer were able to find number that a really worked for the team by the way 7 million I mean is a fantastic number for them and the team and a number that was good enough for Jordan to come back and not feel you know necessarily like disrespected because he earned the right to go test the waters. And the same is kind of can can be said about where Arizona is with DeAndre Hopkins. They just don't really have the market or the leverage for a 31-year-old wide receiver who's making 18-19 million dollars this year. Yes, that cap number can be, you know, tweaked a little bit. But again, that's a kicking the can down the road. How long? It's not that long. He's only got two years remaining on his deal. But Arizona is just not in a place where they're going to be able to demand that type of return. And I think what will happen is general managers like Brandon Bean and and if the Kansas City Chiefs are indeed in on them, um, you know, I, I think that they're going to have a little bit more trouble making the money work than the Bills do. The Bills have a little bit more space right now than the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, then and, and the Chiefs just signed a whole bunch of re-signed a whole bunch of guys um, that are you know like lower level depth players that I'm sure probably ate up some of the cap space you you might consider using in a, in a trade for DeAndre Hopkins. But it seems to me that this is kind of like a one or two team race. 
So I think you want to go out and you want to tell Jeremy Fowler that the asking price is high and that teams want it to come down. Because I, I just think you look at it from this perspective of he doesn't want to be taken advantage of. And I, and I think that's really the big thing here. This is his first trade. You've got a seasoned veteran in Brandon Bean who obviously had a big trade with Stephon Diggs just a few seasons ago, gave up a first-round pick. But, I mean, that's a 27-year-old at the time in Stephon Diggs. That is not where we are right now with DeAndre Hopkins at this point in his career. Still a top 10, in my mind, still a top 10 receiver, but he's 31, making a lot of money. And there's not a lot of teams lining up for DeAndre Hopkins services. I think it was very clear to me. I, I, I think that Dallas wanted DeAndre Hopkins. I think he was plan A. And I think they quickly pivoted over to Brandon Cooks as soon as they realized that, you know, Monty Asifor was just asking for too much for DeAndre Hopkins. And they didn't want to wait around like the New York Jets are right now with their quarterback situation and potentially not get the wide receiver they need to, you know, bolster their group at wide receiver. So they go out and they trade a, what, a fifth and a sixth for Brandon Cooks? I mean, I, I'm i not saying that I think Arizona should settle for a fifth a fifth this year and a sixth next year for, for DeAndre Hopkins. But I just don't think that they're going to be able to get a second-round pick at all, much less a second and more, or a Christian McCaffrey trade. And just there was a lot of demand for Christian McCaffrey. Teams wanted McCaffrey. And it's not to say that teams don't want Hopkins, but... There's not as many people lining up, and without those, without the without the leverage of having other teams in on this, you're going to have to back off the asking price. And I think that you know the meetings this week, the owners' meetings in Arizona on Monday, which I know Sal Capacho will be live at. I think things are going to move, and we'll see if a trade's done on Monday or before Monday, sometime this weekend. But you know, Jeremy Fowler coming out with that report indicates to me that I would think. Somebody within like the Bills or somebody within, um, you know, Kansas City or one of these teams that are in on DeAndre Hopkins is saying like, yeah, we want Hopkins, but we're not going to pay a second and a third. We're not going to pay a Christian McCaffrey type package for this player. It's just not going to happen. 803-0550 is the number to call. Let's go to Chuck in Hamburg who's got some thoughts on this. Chuck, good morning to you. What do you got? Hey, happy Saturday. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure thing. Um, you know, I mean, as, as much as I, I, like, I love Hopkins. Like, I love the, you know, the thought on this and the idea of it. But the, for me, the biggest issue with the offense last year, it wasn't outside the numbers, which is what you're going to predominantly get with Hopkins. So I think either giving up assets and or, you know, making room for him on the books, you know, when we're acquiring somebody that's not really going to help the deficiency of our offense last year. And when you think about what we were lacking last year, what were, what were we missing last year? We were missing Cole Beasley. We were missing that guy that can, you know, get open between the numbers. You know, and there were even some games where you'd go back and you'd, and you'd look at where Allen was throwing the ball. There were some games where there was not even one attempt in the middle of the field. Yeah. And I just don't understand the fascination with Hopkins and what this is going to open up with the offense. You know, he's essentially a, a better version of Gabe Davis in, in my eyes. So I just don't understand the fascination with him. I get it. He's a name. He's been a great player in the league for years. But I, I think our solution to getting the offense to look more productive, even though it was amazingly productive last year, is finding somebody to help open up the middle of the field for Allen because that's really where he was lacking 
last year. So that's just my thought on that. I don't really want to give up the assets. I don't want to sure. give up the cap space, especially if we're going to kick money down the road for this guy. Um, but, you know, that's, that's just my two cents with that. So thanks for taking my call. Yeah, thanks, Chuck. I appreciate it. I, I, I disagree in that he's just a better version of Gabriel Davis. The reason why is he is not a real – he's not a true vertical threat. We talked about this yesterday in the morning show with Jeremy, and I think it was – Oh, shoot. I don't know. Maybe it's pro football focus, but where really where DeAndre Hopkins dominates is kind of the intermediate areas. I mean, last year he had a couple of games, like 10 for 105, right? Like 10 yards of reception. He's not the kind of guy that he's never been a field stretcher and he isn't now, especially at 31. But what if I told you that what this does, Chuck, is allows them to get a little bit more creative with Stephon Diggs, like moving Stephon Diggs in the slot. And we saw that DeAndre Hopkins at times last year started moving it to the slot as well. 25% of his snaps last year came from the slot. Now, I'm not telling you DeAndre Hopkins is an ideal slot receiver and is going to run all those you know option routes that we saw Cole Beasley run, and he's going to run them like that. Like I'm not here to tell you that, but what I do think DeAndre Hopkins does is he creates an, a, a middle of the field, an intermediate passing game that the Bills really don't have. They don't have that weapon that operates in the middle of the field, like you were talking about, but maybe not in the same places that you would strategic or like maybe historically think Cole Beasley would do. Because Cole Beasley would do that seven yard option route, you know, eight to 10, seven yard option route, and just kind of go off the leverage of linebackers or slot corners. And like, yeah, that, there, there's value to that. But, and I, I do think at times. Chuck, that they missed him a little bit, Cole Beasley, last year when he wasn't there. And, you know, obviously it was obvious that, you know, Isaiah McKenzie just, like, wasn't that player. But they now have two legitimate deep threats on this team. Gabriel Davis, whose route tree really is pretty limited to deep in-breaking routes and go routes. Like, that's not a player that's running the same routes to me as DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins is going to run those out routes. He's going to run those slant routes, those in routes. And for me... He might be the single most. I mean, maybe not right. The single. I mean, they're, the, I think Travis Kelsey's probably a, a better red zone threat. But I, he might. He walks in here and he's your best red zone passing target, and maybe that you've ever had in Buffalo. Like he is big. He's got incredible hands. And you know, I think for me, Chuck, the the thing that I keep thinking about is he rounds out a wide receiving crew that I think now you have Gabriel Davis as your wide receiver three. You have Hardy now, who is a, I think, a better version of Isaiah McKenzie and does more vertical stuff than Isaiah McKenzie did. And I think that brings a unique opportunity to see Stephon Diggs get moved around more. See him play from the slot. See him run those 7-10 to yard option routes. Be Be the Cole Beasley, but still be the guy he's always been. Except now he gets to operate without being double teamed. And I think that's, to me, is 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 Stephon Diggs going to get 100 and... 40 targets this year if, if DeAndre Hopkins on the team. No. But he's also not going to be double teamed every time he walks out on the field. And I think there's value in that even if DeAndre Hopkins doesn't solve your you know safety blanket dump-off guy. And by the way, they paid the guy in the middle of the field, which is you know Dawson Knox, a lot of money. They need to figure out how to get him Going over, he needs to be the middle of the field target. He needs to run some of those Travis Kelsey routes, where you know you're running in one direction, you move back, and you're you're running some option routes. He can do those things. He just isn't asked to, and they paid him 
to do those things and then didn't have him do it. So I don't think there's a lot of redundancy when you talk about Gabriel Davis and DeAndre Hopkins. I just don't. I think they're very different players. I think they're going to demand coverages in different ways. And I think DeAndre Hopkins opens up Gabriel Davis and Hardy down the field. I think he opens up the ability for, you know, Stephon Diggs not to be double teamed as much. He'll still get doubled. He's a top three, top four receiver in football. He'll get doubled. But if you want to double him and you got DeAndre Hopkins on the other side, it makes things a lot harder on defensive coordinators. I think this conversation to me internally for the Bills stems from the team they just lost to. And listen, Brandon Bean has mentioned this before. You tend to identify yourself and your weaknesses based on the most recent game, right? And what did we see from the Cincinnati Bengals? Yes, they dominated the Bills at the line of attack. There's no doubt about it. The Bills go out and they sign an offensive lineman, Connor McGovern. They sign another one, right? They, they, they're trying to work on the interior part of their offensive line. Smart. But I think they also watched a Cincinnati team basically be unstoppable offensively because you can't double-team Jamar Chase. You can't double-team T. Higgins. You can't double-team Tyler Boyd. You need to have, in today's NFL, I think we counted eight teams with PFF grades inside the top 30 of wide receivers that teams have at least two players with PFF grades inside the top 30. The Bills have a top five guy in, in Stephon Diggs, and the next closest is Gabriel Davis in the 60s. You add DeAndre Hopkins to this offense, a top two, top three scoring offense. To me, that's that's the kind of piece that, that you're talking about getting over the hump with. So I'm really interested in it. I, and I get the restructuring and kicking the can down. I get it. They're in a window, man. They are in a finite window, and the NFL keeps getting better around them. The AFC's an arm race. The AFC East right now has the two teams with the two best corner duos in the league. Jalen Ramsey, Xavier Howard. Say what you will. I thought Xavier Howard looked cooked last year. Did not look good. And I thought Jalen Ramsey didn't look that good. But Jalen Ramsey's still under 30 years old. And then you got Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed in New York. You need to have two elite receivers. Gabriel Davis is a good player. He's not elite. DeAndre Hopkins is still a very, very good, a very elite player in this league. He's a, he's a top 10 wide receiver. He walked in after missing the first six weeks of the year and had 20 catches in his first two games. He is legit. You have two Hall of Fame receivers if you bring DeAndre Hopkins here. Do it. 803-0550. Thanks for the call, Chuck. We're going to take a timeout. Matt Perino, New York Upstate, is going to join us coming up next. We'll talk a little bit more with him on this, uh, you know, this whole DeAndre Hopkins situation, what he thinks, um, you know, what he thinks the Bills should do. What should they give up? What should they be willing to give up? What should Arizona be asking for? And then Calais Campbell, he's going to visit this weekend. So we'll talk to Matt about that as well. So uh, we'll talk more Bills. we got a lot of Bills on the docket today. Football, NFL, around the league. AFC East opponents, we got Mark Schofield at 12, Connor Rogers at 1245, and John Ellis from uh, who covers the Panthers. That one will be at 1 o'clock. So we got a lot to get to here on Sports Talk Saturday. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to WGR. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. All right, welcome back. Sports Talk Saturday moving along our second segment of the day, but our first guest who joins us on the West Her Hotline, we've got my buddy Matt Perino who joins us from New York Upstate. And Matt, good morning to you, my friend. Thank you for joining me on this gloomy, drooby Saturday, whatever we got going on. Rain, we're close, though. We're pretty close to golfing, I feel like, man. Oh, I I don't want to rub anything in, but I'm uh, actually waking up in the desert this morning, oh, okay. Phoenix, Arizona. It's a it's a beautiful day. It's going to be perfect too. Not too hot, not too cold. About 68 high of, sunny. Uh, we got the NFL's own, owners meetings next week, like really Sunday and Monday, and uh, I got some family out here. So uh, why not take it a couple extra days, right? <sighs> I didn't know that. Apologies. I wasn't going to mention it. But, you but I, the weather. I served it up. I mean, that's yeah. it seems like a this is an on me thing. So uh, I'll take it. Uh, I'll accept it, and I'll move on from it. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I just saw a, somebody tweet out, you know, like, oh, the the Pagula jet in the air going to Phoenix. Wonder what that means. This owners meetings this week happened on a Monday. So I mean, that that that's a pretty easy explanation. But I, I do think it probably helps the Bills that uh, the timing of these owners meetings, um, considering it sounds like they're at least from the Jeremy Fowler reports. Um, I'm not sure who would be giving Jeremy Fowler information that they need to get off of their asking price, but I would guess it's not the Cardinals. Right. And, um, you know, the Hopkins thing is interesting from the perspective of, like, who is the player? Like, this isn't the Stefan Diggs trade from three years ago where you're talking about a, a guy that's just coming into the height of his powers, right? DeAndre Hopkins is a 
is a different animal altogether. And he's, he's better than Brandon Cooks. I mean, if you're talking about who you want to trade for, uh, I'd, I'd much rather add DeAndre Hopkins into my offense. But there is probably a little trepidation for the, the team that's trading for him. Like, all right, if we give up too much here and, and the game does fall off a cliff to a degree or you know, look a little bit different next year, you probably don't want to be on the hook for too much from right. an asset perspective. So, yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. And, and, and for fans that, you know, constantly uh, tweet about like, oh, do you think this could, you know, the Bills possibly are in the mix on this? Of course. The Bills are always in the mix on all of these things now. That's how Brandon Bean operates. He, if, if a good player becomes available, he not only probably had a conversation about it mm. in that moment, he's probably had conversations going back months. Like Von Miller, he was tracking him down for like two years before it, you know, finally came to fruition in free agency. Uh, same thing with Diggs. He he called on Diggs well before he traded on him. So I'm I have no doubt that the Bills are are in on this. It's just about can they make all of the pieces of it work? And if I'm Brandon Bean, I'm sitting back on my hands with Arizona and saying, hey, you take the wheel, man. Like I don't have to rush to this. We've we've made the kind of moves that we needed to to bolster our receiver room. This could take things to the next level, but I'm not going to be held up in a deal where I have to give up more than I want to. Yeah, and I think part of this, and and I forgive me for using this overused word because we've heard it, I don't know, for the past three weeks during this Aaron Rodgers, I don't even know what, what you call it, but leverage, right? This word that keeps getting thrown around. No one can seem to agree who actually has leverage between the Jets and the Packers. I would say that the Cardinals don't have a lot of leverage because they know they have to trade him. DeAndre Hopkins wants to be traded, and there's not a long laundry list of teams lining up because the destination started, I, I think, you know, there was a lot of smoke between Dallas and Arizona and Dallas wanting DeAndre Hopkins, and I think that they realized that Arizona wasn't moving off their asking price, they wanted too much, and they moved on to the next guy that they could get for much, much cheaper. Um, it was a little bit younger, too. So I think, like, if it's musical chairs, there's there's not too many chairs left here, Matt. And I, I sort of equated this to what we've seen from first-time general managers here in Buffalo, like in the Jack Eichel trade, right? Like if you're Kevin Adams, this is your first move taking over the franchise. You want to make sure that you look good and you get the and you maximize your return. The problem is, is Jack Eichel was twenty something years old with yes, I mean concerns about a long-term neck injury, but I think all in all. You're a first-time general manager, and I get it. But I think if you're like like if you're sitting here in your Monty Osenfort, like you got to also understand where your leverage stands. And I just don't think there's much leverage in Arizona. Like you know, Jeremy Fowler's talking about the Christian McCaffrey trade package wants a two and more. I don't think they're going to get a two, much less two and more. No, and I think like if you if you want to sell me on this ultimately landing on maybe like a third, like by itself, and you know maybe in some type of crazy world, you know moving like a player like Ed Oliver in the deal just because you've decided that you don't want to pay him. Oh, by the way, I don't think the Bills are there yet. And I also would make the argument on the Ed Oliver trade front. I mean, it's something we've been having a conversation, and it's healthy to do these exercises over the course of the off season. Like it's funny sometimes you mention like a trade idea, right? Like, uh, like at Oliver and everybody's like, Oh, like, you know, Perino or Paccio, they want to, 
or Gary, they, they, they want the Bills <laughs> to trade at, uh, at Oliver. It's not necessarily that. It's just let's talk through what this looks like, why a deal would ultimately come into existence, and if it makes sense or not. And for me, I think through those exercises, I've arrived at the place where unless it, it makes total sense with what you're doing in a deal with getting what, what you get in return, I'm not trading at Oliver going into a contract year. I think you're going to get the best version, the best season out of that player this year, and it's arguably, Nate, the most important year, right? right? Like, right. Josh Allen's almost 27. Like, this is – he's going to be six years in the league now. This is, you know, this is really the window that, you know, you've been you've been building up to. And, and taking that Oliver out of the mix, unless you have, a, you know, a backup plan, uh, I like Calais Campbell. I like that idea. But I don't know if he's going to replicate – what Ed Oliver's done consistently-wise at his age. Now, I will say, you go look at Campbell's numbers last year, it's amazing how well that guy's still playing at his age. But in terms of the trade, you just do what you think you have to do to give this offense enough weapons. And you look around the league, this is another point I want to make. DJ Chark, he signs with the Panthers. Uh, You look at Nelson Aguilar signing with the Ravens. Like Some of the teams that might have been the mix here, they're just they're moving on off one by one. Right. And so now for your Arizona, what do you do? You don't have a lot of you know seats at the table that are filled at this point. The Bills might be the last one to dinner. They might be staying for some coffee. Yeah, and, and that's kind of my thought as well. And that's why I think you lose leverage the longer you wait. Um, and I also think the longer you wait, I think it's sort of a signal that they are asking for too much. And if you're Brandon Bean, you should not overpay. Because, and listen, I mean, I, I think that goes without saying, but... What DeAndre Hopkins represents by going to get, and, and listen, I, I'm totally with you on the Ed Oliver front, by the way, because the, the same thing that I think DeAndre Hopkins represents is getting better and, and really, I think, stuffing a position that is not necessarily a weakness. They've added Sherfield and they've added Hardy, two nice pieces, but let's be honest here. This is a game-breaking top 10 wide receiver in the league. Ed Oliver isn't that at his position, but it does open a giant hole on that defensive line. And to your point, like I don't, I'm not sitting here telling you I want them to trade at Oliver, but I think it makes sense, you know. And, and I think if it makes sense, then you should explore the conversations of how that works. Now, do I think it makes sense to trade him to Arizona? Is that going to help the value of this trade? Maybe. Um, I'm not sure if they're interested in a guy like Ed Oliver. So, yeah, I don't know, Matt. For me, like. I keep thinking about this and what DeAndre Hopkins means, and I would much rather have get DeAndre Hopkins on a team that still has Ed Oliver. 100%. And, you know, I saw um, a mock draft from NFL Network, uh, Chad Reuter. He does a really good job, but I, I think he missed the mark on this one. He, he had the Bills trading up to 20 in a four-round mock yesterday, I think, for um, that defensive tackle, I can't remember his name, that's getting comped to Ed Oliver. And I get it. Oh, like, the kid like, from Pitt? Yes. Oh, like, no. I, I, yeah. Oh, no. That's like the perfect reaction. Listen, I get like the idea behind that because it's interesting, right? But you're not going to trade up at that spot and then, I don't want to say make the same mistake, but, you know, go after a position that just doesn't have that kind of value at that part in the draft. It's important, right? Like replacing Ed Oliver is important. I get that part of it. But we saw the Super Bowl, Nate, right? We saw what Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes did on the biggest stage against two defenses that I would argue are both really, really good. And guess what? It didn't matter. So you go out, you go get weapons any way you can. You figure it out. You know, you want Ed Oliver, I think, in the mix at this point because 
he's motivated. Obviously, he's you know you're, you're seeing his Instagram story. Like he's, yeah. he's starting to think about that contract, and I think you get the same thing you got with Edmonds this last year—a motivated guy trying to get paid. Yeah, and you know I think for me too, Matt. Like Clay is Campbell, right? I, I don't think that's a replacement for Ed Oliver. Per- personally, I also don't know that how good of a fit he is. I think at this point in his career, he's really more of a defensive end five technique in a three four defense, not really a three tech in a th- in a four three. So I'm not sure that there's a, a true scheme fit. Would it be nice if you still have that Oliver? I, like, yeah, I think that'd be a nice piece. Had five and a half sacks last year, so like he's six time Pro Bowler. This is this is a guy and a multi. He's got multiple All Pros under his belt too. Like he's a legitimate player, and and I think it would be would signify a really nice depth piece for this defensive line, which I know they need. But yeah, that that Pittsburgh defensive tackle. I, we're we're talking about going more sub three hundred defensive linemen. Like I don't know, man. I like I was listening to um, Tasker and Chris Brown talk about this yesterday. In the NFL, to play in the in, inside the defensive tackle, you got to be a three hundred three three oh five three ten three fifteen three twenty guy because it's it's nasty in there, man. And like these guards in the NFL, they're big, they're athletic, and when you're at Oliver, you see. He struggles against those double teams because of his size. It's not because he's not good. He just gets overpowered at times, and that's why the presence of Daquan Jones is so important because he sort of takes that double team away from Ed Oliver and frees him up. I agree, though, with your point, Matt, which is you're in a contract year. You're probably getting the best football Ed Oliver has ever played this year, and do you want to move on right when maybe you're going to get your best return on investment even though you might not have you know interest in signing him long-term? Yeah, I think the... If you look at what the Bills did last year, I think in a perfect world, they'd love to roll things back with Jordan Phillips and just, you know, hope that you can rely on the guy to stay healthy. But we've just learned at this point in his career because of how big he is and how much weight he carries. I mean, for that guy to play at 330, I mean, something's bound to happen. I mean, if it wasn't the hamstring, it would ended up being the shoulder. And it's just, I don't know if his body can hold up. I mean, he is, like, if he is your third defensive tackle, on a, on a team that has like a Von Miller and a lot of young pass rushers, I really like that that dynamic. And I also think that, you know, there's a lot of people that wanted the Bills to cut Tim Settle. I was actually more in the restructure camp yeah. because I think that there's a little bit more untapped potential and maybe just fitting into this thing um, a little bit differently. Year two with Eric Washington uh, in this group, there was a lot of excitement around him when they first signed him. So I like what they have in the mix. And I think, to your point, Campbell – he is the guy that you bring in that you want to kind of mentor the interior guys along with Daquan Jones and then also provide a little bit of that boost. But to your point, if he can't do what you need him to do, I mean, they, they need a guy that could come in here. This goes back to the other point of this all, Nate, and this is an overarching theme to this offseason for me. I mean, we talked about it on our podcast week in and week out. The problem for Ed Oliver for me and why maybe he hasn't taken the strides that you've needed him to take is the problem that they've had with several of their prospects Cody Ford most notably the lack of a plan for the guy when they draft yeah. him how many times have we watched Ed Oliver being asked undersized in the NFL when you told everybody when you drafted him you wanted him to be a disruptor yeah. and a court <laughs> like attack the quarterback and he's taking on double teams and eating up space and you're asking him to play one technique just because you can do something doesn't mean it's to be done. Yeah. That's not really what you drafted him to be, but the Bills have been in a situation. Obviously, the Starla Tula thing impacted that. They couldn't have planned for that. But I think you have to have a vision for a player and then put them in the best position 
to have success. And guess what? If the player is not having success, there's a part of that that's on the organization for not adapting to that player's skill set. Like, I still think to this day, if you drafted Cody Ford, figure out where he's best and figure out what he does best, put him out there and just try to support him and see what happens. Now, who knows? Maybe there's more to the Cody Ford thing. Maybe they did that and it just never materialized. But we saw what happened with Kyrie Elam last year, and it's just continuing this conversation. And it's a dangerous situation they're getting into. This is this draft has taken on a completely different complexion because of, you know, how there has not been a lot of impact players the last couple of years. Yeah, and uh, well, first of all, Matt Perino here on the Wester Hotline. Of course, he's the Bills beat reporter for Syracuse.com. You can hear him and his co-host Ryan Talbot on the Shout podcast, and uh, we're talking some Bills uh, def- defense, and obviously at Oliver and some of every- and, and, and some of the pieces on the defensive side and Hopkins. One of the things I actually wanted to ask you about is what your thoughts were on the Damon Harris signing because I, I, I and I. I'm not sure I've even seen the numbers. I'm I'm not sure if those numbers have been put out yet. Um, I'm really interested to see that. But like, where is your th- where's your head at on that signing? And I really, I mean, listen, it's one of those things where I'm sure Brandon Bean was sick and tired of watching him eat this defense alive. And hey, if you can't beat him, join him. And I really like to sign it because I don't necessarily think he's a one for one singletary flop. I do think they want to see more of, of James Cook this year, and I think rightfully so. But this guy, I think, really provides that first down runner, the um, you know, kind of dot the eye guy that they've been searching for. They they were hoping Zach Moss would be, but he didn't end up being. What what's your overall thoughts on the on the Harris signing? So the number I think is out. It's a it's a one year one point seven reportedly the deal with that's great you'll love that you'll love to see that and honestly what i think i like about it too i really do do think that it takes the bills out of you know even drafting a running back anyway like i think being i hope so (laughs) he he likes to draft running backs he likes to try to you know find you know that that rookie contract it's hard to blame him on that I, i get it um utilize that but it just hasn't been a super successful part of his strategy and i think harris comes in here into a backfield where, okay, you have Naheem Hines, too, who is used to being in a backfield where he is not going to be the center of attention. He's going to have to fight for everything that he gets. You got that piece. You have a young player in Cook that you want to try to feature. And then you have a guy in Harris who has kind of been the guy and even at times felt like the guy even with Ramondre Stevenson there in New England. But I think his just his body breaks down every year. And this is probably a nice situation because he can come into Buffalo and not be asked to carry the ball 150 times before Christmas and keep his body uh, a little bit fresher for when you do need him in the in the tough winter months. They didn't have yeah, that's right. toughness factor in their run game late in the season, and that's part of their their um, their personality, right? When Sean and Brandon talk about wanting to host playoff games, it's about being tough. It's about making people come into the elements and play. Well, they didn't have a running back that really could execute that style in any of these games. And so I think that's what Harris gives them more than anything. I was really surprised at how, you know, I'd heard things about him from people that have covered him in New England. And, you know, people said that, you know, he's, he's a bit more like reserved, like he'll talk, but, you know, not a lot of emotion, not a lot of, uh, you won't get a lot out of him. Well, I thought in his introductory press conference, I was blown away by how excited he is to be in this situation. I think part of that is going from, how crazy is this, Nate? Uh, losing organization or the last, you know, most of his career there in New England to a, a team that's won three straight AFC East titles right. and is in the you know Super Bowl window. So that's kind of, I think, for Bills fans exciting as well. And then last one I want to ask you about, Deontay Hardy. Um, 
in, interesting player just in terms of, I think when he was signed, a lot of people thought, wow, it seems like kind of a high number for a guy that you know didn't play a lot last year and wasn't really a focal point at any point in his time in New Orleans. But it, I think maybe the conversation is best for, told from you, Matt, about the differences you see in him and Isaiah McKenzie and maybe how he might be a better fit for the role they were looking for Isaiah to fill. Well, I think first and foremost, the number is deceiving, like most of these numbers are, right? It's $5 million guaranteed, and it's a one-year contract. So it's a, it's a prove-it deal. His cap hit this year is $3.8 million. They'll have to eat, I think, about a million and a half, two million in dead cap if they move on after this year. And that's fine for what the upside is for this player. And he's a guy that he wins in a different way than McKenzie, and I think that that's what they probably really liked about this move. He can win down the field. He could stretch the field. The, the run after the catch is actually a nice um, – like Sherfield from Miami and um, Hardy, they're like these, this combo, if you will, for how they get their run after the catch. They both offer it. Their numbers are really good in that department, but they do it differently. Hardy gets down the field and just blows by guys, where I think Sherfield is a little bit more tough. We saw in that uh, San Francisco game he can blow by guys too. He has a little bit of that second – uh, level speed but I think that there's a more physical nature to his game I just think Hardy is you can do more with him Brandon Bean talked about him being like you know what they call the four tool guy they can put him at any spot rely on him and I just think that there's a suddenness to his game now I will say he probably goes for a little bit more had he not dealt with the foot injury last year and that surgery uh our, our good buddy Kyle uh, over at banged up bills I was talking to him uh, in, in the DMs about him. You know, there's, a, there's concern about, you know, guys coming back from that injury. We've seen it, um, you know, the success rate is, is not great. And so there's that question mark. He's younger. Um, you know, you probably figure that as year, the years go on, the science behind the surgeries that these guys get improves. But if he comes back to, you know, close to 100%, and the fact that Bean said that he's been watching him for years, that, if I'm a Bills fan, that puts me at ease because I think Bean has actually a really good track record at receiver. You know, John Brown and Cole Beasley, when he got him, visionary. That was super right. important for Josh right. Allen's development. Then to come back and trade for Diggs when he did. Draft Davis in the fourth. You know, Emmanuel Sanders, for as much as it wasn't this smashing success, he had some really, really good games. And I know everybody is, is still talking on Bill's Twitter about losing Isaiah Hodgins. And so I think he's got a good eye for talent, what's going to fit into his offense around Josh Allen. And I'm sure Ken Dorsey's been uh, a, a loud voice in the room with what he thinks he needs. And I think maybe this is a, a good sign that Ken Dorsey is maybe being a little bit more assertive and aggressive with, okay, this is a little bit more the style of receiver that I want. I know he can do some of that you know, motion stuff that McKenzie does, some of that slant stuff that McKenzie does. But now – you know the crossers and all that but now maybe we can just blow by guys with his speed and when you have all those things that you have to worry about and it's the third option on a team maybe yeah. fourth if they trade for Hopkins right that's really interesting yeah no I I totally agree and I, and I think too like with Hardy is I think he represents the kind of guy that you're you're totally spot on. like the John Brown before the John Brown right like John Brown was a good player but he wasn't considered to be a number one receiver. He came to Buffalo. He became a number one receiver in Buffalo. And that also is a testament to the quarterback. And when you have a elite level quarterback, he makes guys around you better. But yeah, I, I I'm I may be most interested in what Hardy looks like because if you turn on the twenty twenty one tape, it's it's impressive what he can do after the catch. And 
Um, I'll, I'll be excited to kind of see how Ken Dorsey deploys him in this offense. Matt, I appreciate you, buddy. Thanks for all the insight. As always, enjoy the uh, the nice weather of Phoenix. Uh, I hope you didn't bring your clubs. If you did, do not take any pictures and post them online because uh, I'm your friend and you don't want to hurt my feelings. So I appreciate you, bud. I brought the family out, man. So we're gonna go, we're gonna be doing some Good. Uh, some family stuff. Some. Uh... You know, enjoy the weather, some hiking, all that kind of good stuff. Nice. We'll get out there, and I appreciate you, my friend. All right. Take care, buddy. All right. My friend uh, Matt Perino there on the Wester Hotline from Syracuse.com and the Shout Podcast. Going to take a time out. i got to get to another break as well. On the other side, we'll get to my boy Mark Schofield, and we'll talk uh, a little bit of Patriots and get, get the inside scoop on Damon Harris, what the Bills are getting. That's coming up next here on WGR. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medella is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, quick little segment here. We got Mark Schofield coming up here. Uh, we're going to talk a little Patriots. We're going to talk a little uh, Damon Harris, who obviously spent the last couple of seasons um, with the Patriots. And Mark is, of course, of SB Nation. So uh, we'll do all of that. So don't go anywhere. We're li- you're listening to Sports Talk Saturday right here on WGR. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t Oh, 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 O'Reilly. For a 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.